This afternoon I preach to you the gospel as our Lord Jesus taught us when he taught us the Lord's Prayer. The fifth petition, this gospel is confessed, summarized and confessed by the church in the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 51, you can find that on page 563 in the Book of Praise. And here the church confesses, what is the fifth petition? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That is, for the sake of Christ's blood, do not impute to us, wretched sinners, any of our transgressions, nor the evil which still clings to us, as we also find this evidence of your grace in us, that we are fully determined, wholeheartedly, to forgive our neighbor. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a sorry, or even an, an I'm really sorry, can't bring back things to the way they were before you committed a sin against another person. The scars and the stains of sin committed against one another hurt our relationships, and both the sinner and the one sinned against are deprived of something that is lost and irretrievable. To forgive someone is to accept that loss, to deny yourself, to desire to restore the broken relationship, and to contribute to reconciliation in meaningful ways. To forgive someone is to accept that loss, deny yourself, desire to restore the broken relationship and seek to contribute to reconciliation in a meaningful way. And then we think about that, we see that it's very clear that forgiveness is not something that arises out of our proud and self-focused, sinful human nature, but it is something that can only be seen when God is at work in our hearts. By the grace of God, we who believe in Jesus Christ are transformed by the Holy Spirit and we do have a desire to forgive those who sin against us just as we have been forgiven by God. And our Lord Jesus told all God's dear children to celebrate that gospel every day by praying and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We want to have the same desires as Jesus did when he prayed. And so, just as he prayed that, or just as we prayed that God's name be hallowed and not our name, that God's kingdom is given priority and not ours, that God's will determine our lives and not our desires, that God decide and provide what we need not our own skills. Also in the fifth petition, we pray that God's merits are the ones that count for our salvation and not our own merits. Every time we pray the fifth petition, we are asking God to fill the hole that we dug because of sin, sin in our lives. And we ask God to fill that hole that that was caused by, by sin to fill it with the abundant fullness of the merits and the work of Jesus Christ that he did for us and in our place. O oh Lord, we pray 
Lift us into your kingdom where we can celebrate our transformed lives with joy and gratitude. And the joyful gospel for Christians is that we may pray for the forgiveness of sins, knowing that Jesus Christ our Lord paid for all our sins. We don't just pray the, what's known as, as the sinner's prayer, which is a, a broader evangelical title for the first prayer of repentance and trust that is offered up by a recent convert, but we pray the forgiven sinner's prayer, which is a, a continual prayer. This is the prayer of Numbers 14, where Moses asks for forgiveness on the basis of God's unconditional love in anticipation of Christ's sacrifice and with the promise to reflect God's ongoing grace. In verse 19 of Numbers chapter 14, Moses says, Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. We will consider this prayer together with the fifth petition, and I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, in Christ we can pray the forgiven sinner's prayer to God. We can do this celebrating the greatness of his powerful love toward us. Secondly, celebrating his finished sacrifice for us. And third, celebrating the greatness of his ongoing grace within us. If Numbers 14 open in front of you or in your mind, you noticed that it gives a beautiful revelation of the character of our holy and our righteous God as we see the name he revealed to Moses in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, being applied in the face of a horrible human rebellion. Even while the people were complaining and expressing their desire to go back to their slavery in Egypt, the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting. We read that in verse 10. And the light of his holy and his righteous anger shone out against the people as God taught Moses what his people deserve for their rebellion against him. That's in verses 11 and 12. To sin against a man is one thing. To sin against the most high majesty of God is completely another. And as we read this and as we sang Psalm 78 and we talked about Israel, I think you all recognized and noticed that the same struggle is visible and evident in your own lives. Constant sinning against the most high majesty of God. Jesus taught us to see the sin, is against, the sin against the most high majesty of God as a debt. Moses called the rebellion of man as an, an uh, he called it an iniquity, a guilt for misdeeds. We see with these words that, that God's people steal from his glory when they sin against him, when they do not trust in his mighty power, when they defy his love, like we sang in Psalm 78. It's like money that can't be paid back in the well-known parable of the debtors in Matthew 18. Sin creates a hole, and someone has to deal with the loss. And since there is no way that we can restore the peace 
And we have already lost everything good that he has given to us. If there will be any restoration, God has to suffer the loss. The most holy, righteous creator has to suffer the loss. And like Moses did in the wilderness, our Lord Jesus taught us to come to God with this insurmountable debt and recognize that our only hope is that God himself will do something. Jesus told us to acknowledge our empty hands regularly. Imitate Moses by looking on high to where God is seated in glory in order to plead for mercy. Moses knelt down to his merciful covenant father who had led the grumbling discontent church out of Egypt who had remained with them in the desert and then brought them to the border of a good land flowing with milk and honey as he mentions in verses 8 and 14. In this context of God's amazing love, Moses had to ask God to do one more thing, to cancel the debt, to give a new start to a people who had already repeatedly rejected God's love, who had despised his promises. We see ourselves in that prayer. Moses asked God once more to please pardon the iniquity of this people. He says, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And you might wonder, how many times has that been? Well, we read in the one verse, put me to test these 10 times as a nation. We see that it was certainly more than seven times. Do you see what Moses is doing? God showed all this love throughout all this time. God who is good and holy. The people defied that love in God. And Moses, one more time, had to say, God, please cancel that debt. And what gave Moses the audacity to present this request to God? Why should God forgive our sins. Moses asks God to pardon the iniquity of his people. We read it in verse 19, according to the greatness of his steadfast love. Since we worship the same God, it is very important to pay attention to these words. We do not ask because of anything we have to give. We ask according to the steadfast love of God. The steadfast love that he has already shown to us so many times throughout our lives. Oh Lord, we pray, be the Lord you promise to be. Keep your promise to forgive our sins. The Holy Spirit teaches us to plead on the basis of the character of God. Psalm 86 verse 5, we sang some stanzas of this psalm, reveals this character. For you, O oh Lord, are good and forgiving abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. In Isaiah 43, verse 25, the Lord describes his name and character. He says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. 
so that the people of God can confess their sins to the Almighty God in Nehemiah 9, verse 17, saying, but you are a God ready to forgive. What a blessing. What a blessing to humble yourself before a God who is ready to forgive. What a blessing to see that he desires to forgive us, to grant us the very thing we are looking for. Though we are faithless, he is faithful because he can never disown his own children. Oh Lord, we pray we have debts that we cannot pay, but we know you are a God who delights in forgiveness. We know your steadfast love. We know that you desire to restore our relationship and we know that you have even sent your only begotten Son into the world to accomplish this for our sakes. If you look back to Numbers 14, verse 17, you can see that Moses associates God's forgiving character with his power. And now, please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, and then comes the promise of the forgiveness. When God forgives undeserving sinners, it shows to the world that he is powerful in ways that are unknown to any other religion or any other God. The church prays, O Lord, the nations have seen your power bringing them out of Israel. Now let them see your power that can only belong to a sovereign God, a God who can cancel the debt of sin. You are slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But you will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation. How is God's power made visible in your life? Every time you pray, and you ask God to forgive your sins. You're asking God to, to punish the guilty and to forgive iniquity. And how can he do this? We see that in the second point that because of the greatness of his sacrifice, in Leviticus 17, verse 11, that's in the Old Testament, God reveals that he decided to forgive the iniquity of those who trust in him by accepting a substitute. It's blood. He said, I'll accept blood as a substitute, as atonement for your sins. It's a decision, the part of God that displays his power. The guilty and the proud who did not believe in God's holiness or care about their sins and how much their sins offended God they also didn't see the need to even offer this substitute blood through the sacrifices. But whoever acknowledged their sins and presented a sacrifice to offer in place of their own life would be spared the punishment. It was a way of, of praying, Lord, forgive us our debts. God's holiness was defended when the blood was spilled to remind, remind the people both of the punishment that God would bring against their sins and the mercy that God displayed as he brought his chosen ones to himself. When God provided a way to atone for our sins, we could see that he was serious in his promise. They weren't just words. He showed it was his desire that his people be reconciled to him. 
As we forget, we pray the forgiven sinner's prayer, we are looking at a God who provided the way. He gave us a way to start each day afresh so that the hole and the distance that our sin was causing would not manage to separate us eternally from our only source of hope and light. And you know well that the Old Testament sacrifices, they pointed to the New Testament work of our Savior Jesus Christ on the cross. In 1 Corinthians 5, we read that Jesus Christ became sin for us. Then he became a sin offering. The Son took on our human nature. He left the glory of heaven and he humbled himself so that we could have peace with God once again. God wasn't joking when he said he desires to forgive us our sins. Lord Jesus Christ is celebrated every day in our lives because he was obedient even to death on a cross so that the debt of sin we read in Colossians 2 could be that, 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 that debt that stood between us and God could be canceled, that could be taken away, that those sins could be nailed to the cross. Like a high priest, he offered up his very own innocent human blood to God as a substitute for our blood. Are you a sinner? Do you know what your sins deserve? If you ever doubt, read about the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. But brothers, sisters, visitors in our midst, the gospel I preach to you today is, is wonderful news. There is forgiveness for all of our sins in the blood of Jesus Christ. When you put your trust in him, when you don't rely on your own works for anything, you can know that you have fellowship with God. He will no longer remember your sins. In Christ, the, the relationship is restored. We have fellowship with him. That is why it is very fitting that the Lord Jesus, when he was to go to the cross, in Matthew 26, verse 28, he explained the value of the cross. He said, my blood of the covenant is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Our forgiveness is beautiful, but it was very costly. It cost the death of the Son of God. And since we no longer see the blood of of the animal sacrifices as a constant reminder of the cost of our sins and the loss that they bring to the world, Jesus taught us to pray daily that God apply Christ's blood to our debts as payment. Every day that you pray that word, forgive. Brothers and sisters, picture the empty cross. The empty cross which represents the whole doctrine of forgiveness. Think about that message of the cross. The steadfast love of God to the rebels who brought his son to the cross by their sins. The Lord Jesus, life given as a substitute, as a sacrifice for us and in our place, and the body that is no longer there. 
because God received his payment and raised him up to the glory of heaven so that he can see you and hear you praying for forgiveness in his blood. We pray with the empty cross of Jesus before us. And as we pray, we thankfully receive that gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's why he told us to pray, so that daily we receive that work, that it transforms our minds, our, our, our way of thinking. As we gaze upon the cross of Christ, as we proclaim his death in the Lord's Supper celebration until he comes, we are overwhelmed overwhelmed by God's desire to restore this relationship with him. Our God doesn't want the sins that we have committed to continue to interfere in our relationship. God is a God who wants to forgive our sins and pardon our iniquity. God wants us to know his power and so he calls us to proclaim that marvelous conclusion. Numbers 14 verse 20 and brothers and sisters when you know the background of these words you know how, how amazing they are to hear the most holy God say I have pardoned. I have pardoned. The gift of God for the fallen human race is freedom from guilt and punishment. And this forgiveness is a reality only in Jesus Christ. There is no other way to have peace with God. The Bible says in Hebrews 9 verse 22 that without the blood of Christ there is no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus tells us to preach that empty cross to all nations. And brothers and sisters, as we embrace our Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we can do so with a smile. We can do so with a celebration of God's amazing grace. And you can be refreshed. You can live new life. Psalm 32 teaches us we should celebrate the greatness of his grace within us. Psalm 32, we sing, Blessed is the one whose trespass is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Is that your song? Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's the song of the church. And the word blessed is is further explained by the Holy Spirit in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. We read that. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. The blessing of forgiveness is that we are made alive together with God. We have a good relationship with God, our creator. We have hope for the future. We may know without a doubt that God doesn't sit there pursuing us to condemn and punish us like, like Job thought he was doing when he was very ill and troubled. 
God isn't waiting to give us what we deserve. But really, he looks at us as he looks at his son, Jesus Christ. He looks at us with overwhelming joy and overwhelming love. He sees the clean white clothes of righteous deeds. He doesn't look at us pity because our sins are forgiven. We are clean in God's eyes. And even so, Jesus teaches us to pray the forgiven sinner's petition regularly. Because it is only when we have the correct attitude about what God has done for us that we will be able to show this love to others. The gospel message is that we are forgiven in Jesus Christ and when we are, this ever-present grace fills our hearts. It changes who we are. It changes how you look at people. We pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's praying your, your grace within our hearts reminds us daily of the sinfulness of our own sinful nature. Now help us to remember who we are when we deal with those around us. If we proudly think that we have earned God's grace, that means we will also have a very hard time desiring to forgive others. And so we pray, Lord, please take away our pride. Grant that sincere humility and overabundant joy and thanksgiving may characterize our whole being. Grant that your grace overflows within us so that all those around us can experience even just a little bit of all that you have given to us. In Colossians 3 verse 13, the words are, are very powerful words. The Holy Spirit tells us that as the Lord has forgiven us, so we also must forgive. So what does God's forgiveness look like? Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, attempted to quantify what Jesus meant. If I want to forgive like God, he, he said, well, how often will my brother sin against me and I will forgive him? As many as seven times, that's Matthew 18, verse 21. He wanted to quantify this as the Father forgives. And what did Jesus answer? He taught the church that when God forgives, it is not about counting to a certain number until you reach a certain limit. But forgiving is about being a certain kind of person. Forgiveness does not have God, a picture of God looking at the list and saying, you got three pages of sins that I will forgive. But it says, I am a gracious and a loving and a forgiving God. It's about his character. In order to forgive, as the Lord forgave us, the amount of times doesn't even come into the picture. Think about what we just read about the character of our God in the book of Numbers, the Psalms, and Isaiah, Colossians. Do you remember what we saw? We saw that God, in his amazing, steadfast love, desired to restore relationships so much that he was willing to suffer loss 
to make sacrifices for the sake of others, even sending his own son into the world as a substitute who would bear the wrath of God for others. And then we go back to Colossians 3. We find out that little line is in the context. It's a context of a description of a person who's transformed by the Holy Spirit. It shows us that forgiving others is just one part of a, of a nature, a character that is completely transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's this character that we receive when we humble ourselves before God, we receive the forgiveness of sins. And we understand that. It's this character that we pray for. Not only is it the humble character that brings us into the presence of God to seek forgiveness, but it is also the grateful character of a redeemed person who always looks at his neighbor, and then we could take that list from Colossians 3, with kindness, with patience, and compassion, even when he sins against you. We pray with our Lord Jesus, with Moses. Help us, O Lord, to show our gratefulness to you by seeking to forgive others in the same way that you have forgiven us. Help us to be as patient and long-suffering with weakness as you are with us. Help us to desire restored relationships with as much zeal as you have shown to us. Help us to be willing to deny ourselves and accept a loss. Help us to be known as people always seeking to restore relationships, even though we're not afraid to condemn sin and rebellion. Lead us by your grace in such a way that we don't demand payment for every loss, but that we cancel the debts owed to us, even though the person who sinned against us, who owes us, is often undeserving of such grace. O oh Lord, grant us this character. Grant us the character transformed by the Spirit that we may reflect your grace toward us so that whoever talks to us can see that you are a gracious, a loving, and a forgiving God. Amen.